Hello and welcome back to The Bigger Podcast. We're on episode 18, which means we've been doing this for far too long, okay? We I have even do the quick math there. <laughs> <laughs> 48, 12, 16, four and a half months. Anyway, we have our lovely guest on. We have Neve. Neve has been training with us for? Since July. Again, June. far too long. <laughs> Start off as a re-mama and now she is a fully-fledged re-academy member. Um, Alex did find it hard letting you come over to the dark side, but... And she still joins the odd week class or two when she's on her holiday, so we just can't let her go completely. Like, or having a sick day. I, I like the main class, but I do miss my remamas. Here, I, I completely understand it. I do get it, because I love the remamas, especially Betty. But she's a re-baba. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we're going to delve into Neve's deepest, darkest secret. We're obviously going to find <laughs> out a bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're, you have a main character within Re, mm-hmm. and any WhatsApp groups that you might belong to. <laughs> Um, few and far between I'm sure but um, let's get to know Neve. let's find out about who Neve is where you're from um, so tell us what's your earliest kind of memory that you can remember so my earliest memory is probably a lot of people don't remember do you remember you probably will Mara Felt had a cinema yes I just might see my first Harry Potter movie I, I don't think I've been but I remember it vaguely so my first memory is I went to see the Barney and the Magic Egg movie. I can't remember what age I was. I don't remember Side why note, I remember. her son's called Barney, so this is probably why it's a lovely memory. So no, but I've always That's just dawned on her, too. <laughs> no, because people always ask me, is that why he was called Barney? I think, no, there was, there was no connection. It's such a lovely name. But that was my first memory. I remember going to see it. I remember eating a box of Maltesers. And thinking back now, like... I don't think I would give my children Maltesers because I'm like choking hazard. Obviously, that wasn't a thing then. Never just... loves Maltesers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or really, no, no, we... choking. Really, yep, take the Maltesers. We have a video. She was staying with her granny and um, granny, and she likes putting stuff down her top. Don't ask why. Maybe she watches her mummy. Who knows? But she had a <laughs> Sorry, whole. Goodbye, she had a full packet of Maltesers down her top, but nobody noticed quick enough, and, and they, they were melted. 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 Mm-hmm. No, no one wondered so... where they went. Like how she let them so fast, and she, you know, Mabel kept like pulling her vest out as if like you know, granny, have a look down <laughs> do, here. Do you know, <laughs> I have for you later. So no, so I remember seeing that. I remember drinking a purple Ribena for some reason. And I like I don't know why it's significant. I remember who I was there with. I remember oh, I was so sitting. much joy. Because you're a kid, Maltesers, watching a movie, drinking. But like drinking. this I was a time where you could up. eat anything. Like there were no kind of No calories yeah. back then. There was no <laughs> rules from health <laughs> visitors about, you know, five a day, no sugar. Don't salt even get on the health visitors. Blackberries or whatever, and it's, it's pure sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Ribena is just sugar in like a day. liquid form. Not my thing. I so like my probably water. No, my I first. My water. No, I, no, I don't. Not like your water, water. My water. No. <laughs> Ribena or Ribena and Coke's lovely. No. Oh my god, get off this podcast like right you're now. One of, you're better. You're all these people like, oh, I would drink Guinness if there was black. Oh no, 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 I wouldn't drink Guinness. Oh, I remember one time, or um, we were getting Guinnesses. Guinness. I really like it. First time I had it was in France, um, skiing. We uh, not going to do that. Um, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but the fella said. One of the guys with me says, can I get a bit of blackcurrant in it? And your man says, we don't do cocktails here, big lad. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget it. No. no. I struck it that got me on dick, Coke and blackcurrant. You should try it. No. What do you mean? So you just fill up like a glass with like, Coke so and you, then put a bit of blackcurrant yeah, in it? Yeah, like we dash. Just what you put but in like, I don't What like did I marry? I'm going to no. have to go home and buy some and I'm try only a Diet oh, Coke I, fan. Oh, I love Coke. That's why I had to get a diabetes test when I was pregnant because I drank Coke all the time. Hi, well, just the coke. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the frosties. The people that know me, frosties and coke. That's what I. And then she's like, not you at can the get same a diabetes time. test. 
<laughs> but you see the day also diabetes test, right? So bear in mind, right? You have to keep everything sort of like normal so that it doesn't. So did you eat before your test? No, I didn't. No, she didn't. But she would. She would. It might throw it off. She wouldn't have the coconut, and I was like, "Did you have? To, there's no point you trying to cheat this test. This is to find out whether you're." No, but it doesn't work like that. That's not how HBA ones say Obs- works. Obviously, is. <laughs> it, so I had no diabetes in that day. No. I'm glad, but it doesn't really work. That, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, it's it's not not that that you see, people are going to the dentist mm-hmm. and then before they go into the dentist like chemist teeth, brush this is it. the dentist is going to think I absolutely floss every single day maybe three times they say no like they know to no, look. No. <laughs> <laughs> well that's what a HbA1c is like it can tell you because yeah, well, that's what she used for type 2 diabetes is that every three months you'll have that test And there you go people it didn't stop me drinking coke or frosty so when here we are I still love coke and frosties and you don't have type 2 diabetes just to confirm people as she doesn't put coke in this the is the frosties. second time on this podcast that I've been talking about coke just <laughs> And I've had it. Keith had to correct him. Yeah. Well, I imagine like the Frosties aren't like sugar dusted and cocaine. <laughs> and they've got extra sugar on them. He's from Coke. Uh, <laughs> pun. But anyway, so. Barney. Talk us after Barney. Dinosaur. Where did you grow up? Where, where's home grew for you? Grew up in Castle Dawson. Lived there. Like Dawson, We've loads of, of Castle Dawson members mm-hmm. in the Academy too. Lived there all my life, was a total home bird, hated staying away. Like, I mean, my friend lived six houses around the corner. I wouldn't sleep at her house. Like, I would, like, be like, yes, mommy, I'm going to stay tonight. This is the night. I would get there and be like, no, I don't want to anymore. Aww. Hated it. And then made this head stagger at 18, moved to Liverpool to do my nursing. Met my boyfriend six weeks before I moved. I sure. Sure, so it is. Moved six, met him six weeks before. Prior to going? Mm-hmm. And then I went in the September and that was me for three years. Did you love it? Oh, I loved it. How often did you come home? I would have come. So in the first kind of six months, I didn't come home that often. So he came over in. So I went over in September. My cousin died at the end of September. So I came home and then I went back over. He came back over then mid-October, November. And I wasn't home again until Christmas. But then kind of after that, because we're like, no, we actually really do like each other. (laughs) (laughs) It could be something. (laughs) I was very, very lucky that like I had this kind of say in placement that I could do like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday one week and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday the other week. So it meant I could take like a full week off oh, to come home. Hmm. Um, Get your money's worth out of a flight. Well, I got his money resource when he came <laughs> over. <laughs> so he prepared, it was cheaper to pay for me to come home than for him to come over and pay his way around Liverpool. For, That's very true. Yeah. Because you live like a rock star, I think, because they're only oh, home for a week. Oh, it was glorious. I, <laughs> I remember when I used to go visit Keith in London, we were saying his accommodations, you never needed to worry about hotel and also like flights were cheap as chips, you know, yeah. and you thought, you know, you can spend it all around London. Exactly. Okay. Think she didn't have to buy a hotel or nothing, you know. And then I would live off rations for a few weeks. <laughs> well, that was my life as a student. I was, again, I was very lucky in the hospital. She had the wee healthcare assistants who would have come around and be Make like, extra toast. Have you no lunch, pet? Let's get you something out of the kitchen that was left over. Like, I don't think I paid for five lunches the entire time I was in university. Okay. It was great. That is very good. And I what made it. you just decided, right, I'm going to move? You know, just <laughs> now you're never. Which university did you go to? Liverpool John Mersh. John, John Mersh. Mm-hmm. I went over and did a, an interview in Liverpool to be my to be a teacher, and me and my mum loved it. Like literally, the flight you had your suit your suit you had your seatbelt on, and the flight had landed, uh, and it was that quick. You know, uh, it was great. And I remember like going in, they go around university and all the shops. Like it was a really good shopping city. It takes longer to drive. Glad you today. didn't get it. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be li- living it up in Liverpool right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, so ice mate. <laughs> I that was Scouse accent for anyone that didn't. Mm, was it though? Good job with these new mics, you picked it up. I didn't love school, was 
one of these people that if I worked really, really hard, I could I could do the work. Bluff it. Yes, Wing it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I am different to my siblings. So my brother and sister, they're incredibly smart, but thick as champ. There's no common sense. There's a saying that goes <laughs> you can't around. Be both slick. There's a saying no, that you, they, can, they could tell you the circumference of an orange, but they couldn't tell you how to peel it. Exactly. Sturts. Yes. Sturts. So that, that was <laughs> me. I was very much a people smart kind of person. Yeah. Um, so I had made the decision then. So first of all, I made the decision growing up. I was always like, oh, I think I want to be an engineer because my daddy was an engineer. I didn't know mm -hmm. what other jobs there were. And then I had lost a friend. Um, she had been unwell with diabetes. She died with that. And two weeks later, another boy in my year, Paddy, he had died um, from a quad accident. And I had really struggled with that. And I was like, right, OK, this is now my life's mission. I'm going to make people better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make them feel good. So then I had applied. I, my sister went to Liverpool. She went to Hope to do teaching as well. And I was like, OK, I'll maybe give this a go. And went on my interview, didn't get into Queen's, um, but then found out the day I registered for Liverpool that I actually had a place now because someone had pulled out. But <gasps> Oh, that was like 50-50. Uh, oh, could you have still took Queen's even mm -hmm. that day? What made you not? What made you decide just well, to ship I was off? I thinking like I just met this new boy, I just stay at home. No. Does Jer know this story? Yes, he okay. does, he does. Because I, I had rang him. Because I rang him straight I rang him on the way here him. to tell him I was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, there's, there's a reason why I'm here. And Were you already in Liverpool? I was already in Liverpool. Right, okay, okay. I had just moved in. It was about a week after I'd moved in. And I'd got the phone call. Oh, do, do you want to come here instead? And I was like, mm, no, I don't. Like, I'd already had, you know, made friends. I had, like, where my halls were, it was all nursing and midwifery students. So it wasn't people that were out kind of 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. Mm. You know, you had your odd nursing uh, students. Doing heroin and stuff. Well, <laughs> it's Liverpool, no? <laughs> Heroin wasn't a really I have no idea when we cut that out because no offense Drugs anyone weren't that, that bad whenever I was there. No, it's definitely a lot worse now, but it wasn't to the extremes. But I didn't see, I would see more people now in Belfast doing heroin than I would Liverpool then. Well, taking it back away from all the drug conversation, <laughs> I would see that as like a sign that you were meant oh, to totally. be there, that Queen said totally. no one then came after you'd moved and everything. Oh, totally. And like, there's never been a minute where I was like, this was the wrong decision. I loved every minute. Do you know, there were obviously challenges and it was difficult. And, do you know, I had friends from school that were going home every weekend and getting their clothes washed by their mummy. Mummy was giving them bad groceries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then on the other side of that, I look at it. I learned to be independent much more yeah, earlier. Yeah. earlier. More and you probably too. see the same with being in the army that you had learned all these skills that maybe you came home and you seen people and it's not a criticism people still living at home, but people still relying on other people yeah, to I just do everything. I'm home when I'm 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, but you Jackie were self-sufficient. Jackie was up yesterday. <laughs> but you were self-sufficient. Yeah. You know, you were still doing yes. a lot for yourself. You still had a job. Do you know, you still had responsibilities. Yeah. Whereas I would have seen a lot of people I know. Pure Marty coddled. Yes. And like I had to learn to be independent mm. and. Which will stand on you longer exactly. than what, like, you know. I had to make mistakes basically and it helps me because then whenever I message like how does this oven work how do you cook this then then people can like you can tell me that's how it works you were just figuring that out yourself no I did it today yeah. all by myself but our group chat is is just like a S figuring life support, out support everybody that's, it's just a support for us all and an Amazon order and it's none of your business what's ordered in Amazon it oh, just turns up and it I looks know. lovely I know <coughs> so Hardy no. fruit bowls lovely <laughs> What so, do you put in a decorative fruit? Oranges, maple like oranges. Tell what school did you go to? I, I went to St Pat's in Mahara. St Pat's. And how did you get on? As did in, you enjoy school? Uh, no, Wait, I didn't. But you still went on done your A levels. Went on done my A levels. Um, done not too bad in A levels. Done psychology, 
Don Ari and Don. Geography. So it drew you here because you, you you done RE and you were like, oh, really? Do you know what made me do it's RE? Because it was a memory thing. And I was good at memorising mm. stuff. So I'm good at tests where it's like a kind of, like I always done well in RE because all you had to do was remember stories and kind of apply them. Mm. Well, this is the thing. Whenever I, we would come to GCSE time, you know, they have a higher ter- higher paper and a lower p- paper. Mm. Lower paper, you're guaranteed to see, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. As long as you spell you it. Get any higher than as long it. as you get like aye, that's it. So you're guaranteed a C. <laughs> okay. And and, and my RE teacher was like, do the lower tier, you get a C. I was like, nah, big lad, I'll do I'll do the higher paper. How can I not remember the stories? I went to Sunday school for years. <laughs> went into it, flunked it and got a D. It's only one of well, it's not a fail. It's not a fail. No. The D's not a fail. But it's the only one I got below a C. The only GCSE That's why I call here read. Just a spike. Add maths. And my mommy would additional maths. So I barely could, got three maths. No, I, could, I barely maths. got three maths, but yeah. but because like my overall like I, I was one of these people that could do well if I applied myself. Like on paper, I was a hard worker, but I'd never done homework, uh, and I always got like a note my homework diary. Like Neve needs to do homework, she's not doing any homework, but I still done well. So yeah. I was like, I don't see the point in homework. It takes up just more time. Did enough? Yeah, mm-hmm. just did enough to get by, and then with ad maths because I was kind of good at maths. My mum was like, No, you're doing half maths. And then she wouldn't let me drop it. Isn't it mad how parents can just be like, Here, you're doing this, you're doing that. <laughs> you do it, big lad. Like, I'll never forget. <laughs> the principal came in um, after we'd, we had done our GCSE. So, we'd done our GCSE maths in fourth year. Okay. Rather than fifth year because we were doing the additional maths. And then fancy schools. I, it was a grammar coat. Like, so there was a grammar band and oh, the rest. <laughs> so, I'd done that. And I remember, I'll never forget it. The principal came in and said to us, do you know what did you get what did you get and I had got a B in maths and she goes are you happy with that and he goes I'm happy enough she goes well you shouldn't be and I was like excuse me I would be delighted if I had a B <laughs> so I was delighted but then because my mum wouldn't let me drop at maths I just didn't really do anything like, the only thing I could do was quadratic equations oh quadratic mm-hmm. equations that was no but like sound go on ex- explain that <laughs> I, I don't know what I they are now I show you all off in the podcast <laughs> that, you know. take too much time so yeah went to the maths didn't love school and I was very much glad to get out of it. Very and much so. Uni and well, what what was your main? What was your degree in a uni? So I done mental health nursing. Um, kind of didn't really know where I wanted to go with that when I qualified. You know, there are a lot of kind of different specialties. I had originally thought about CAMS, which is children and adolescent mental health. And can't be an easy job. Well, my job's not easy, so I can't imagine that job's easy. Mm. So done that. I had some really, really amazing placement opportunities. And again, that was another reason why I picked Liverpool, because there were more opportunities. Do you know, I'd done Ashworth. Various different people. Exactly. So it was a high secure hospital. Amazing. No, it wasn't. It was the, I was more safe there than I was in any When you say something like that, I'm just thinking like if like Shutter Island or something, you know, like. But that's that's the perception of these places that you are locked in and the keys thrown away forever and ever. Mm. And it doesn't work like that. Do you know, there's the perception that these people are here because they've done terrible things. And yes, there are people that have. But, you know, I remember having this young fella. He was 22 in a high secure hospital. He had been severely abused all his childhood. And he, that's the side of it I couldn't deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, 
<laughs> you have to treat it like a job though. You yes, can't, yes, you know, that's you it. You, you switch off. And I get. suppose because I hadn't had children at that point, I was very, I could switch off that mm -hmm. kind of side of it. Well, so, we find that too, because even now since having Mabel, anything to do with a child, like on a TV show or a film, like oh, we are a mess. But before, hysterical. Now I was a mess normally because I'm a real crier at shows. What? But even like Keith, are you shocked? But even now, like Keith is like more. I don't cry. Not that you cry, but it's, it just It just affects you more, one. definitely. Yeah. So he was really I'll badly abused. Um, and because of that, didn't like people coming into his space, didn't like being touched. And people kind of weren't respectful of that or, or maybe they couldn't manage that risk in kind of lower settings. So like an acute mental health hospital and then he would then go on to end up in low secure. And it was more because of that escalation of risk because there wasn't appropriate services in place to help support him, he ended up in this place. So the easiest way to compare it would be like McGabry, but a hospital setting. Because okay. um, I think sometimes people can't really understand what it would look like or what it was like, but it was one of the most rewarding placements I've ever had because, you, like I say, you were safer there than you were in any other ward because it was all, there was so many staff because mm. safety was paramount. Um, but it was just so interesting, you know, you were what, dealing with people who had done very serious crimes. And the thing that I liked about it is you went in and for the first maybe three weeks, you weren't told any of the crimes. Why? So then you couldn't you pass didn't, judgment. Yes. Yeah, okay. exactly. So you weren't going in with a stigmatised view of you're a terrible person. And it's very true that you do kind of develop these relationships. And like with that young man, there again, there's that perception of, well, he assaulted people, he's done this, that and the other, he must just be a terrible person and it wasn't that. What's it called? Is that like an unconscious bias sort of thing? Is it like where you are you don't mean to pass judgment yeah. but you do? Yeah, it's, and it, I think as well, like if you think, if you read something in the paper, you're automatically going to think you're a terrible person. How yeah. dare you? And there's no consideration for outside factors. And I think that's why I really like that environment because you had to get to know the person as the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, you were mindful of the risk and stuff like that. But after the three weeks, you've got to say, you've got to know Jimmy really well. Jimmy's, oh, he's such a delight. I really like working with him. Mm -hmm. But he went around beating people up. And then but, you, know, you were devastated and were like, oh, Jimmy. But, did you change your... No. Be honest. No, I didn't. Go and just like dig him in the mouth. No. <laughs> No, I didn't do that. <laughs> like, this don't get me wrong. This, this is a safe place. Nobody will like, know. I'm that. not naive. I was never naive that there were going to be bad people and there were some... Like bad people, like murders or anything? They've murders, rapists, paedophiles, you know, worse. Couldn't it? <laughs> but, I, but I look at it, you know, Keith and Alex, you know, you are going to meet these people in your walk of life, whether you know it or not. Mm. And I suppose... Do you know, they were in there for a reason. They weren't there. They weren't able to harm anyone else in, in where they were in terms, particularly, you know, the likes of paedophiles and stuff like that. Um, but again, I was very lucky. I was very safe. Mm. Do you know, there have been incidents where, do you know, people have been in wards. And, like I've been assaulted before whenever I was working in a ward before. Now, thankfully, it wasn't a significant assault, but I have had friends in acute wards that have been really severely assaulted. Oh, and cannot like put the fear of you of like going to work because like if it's not safe, like the one thing I love about what we do is it's safe, it's a safe, safe, safe job. But I, I suppose it's the circumstances. Do you know if you have someone that's very genuinely unwell 
there is that huge element of, well, this person is not doing it because they're a bad person or they want to hurt me. There's a distress behind this, Mm -hmm. do you know? And often it would have been that you would have had people that would have been very unwell and didn't want to take medication. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you would have had to give them medication. And there have been times where you've been hit kind of accidentally, Mm -hmm. where you've had to restrain people. And like that's not a nice part of the job. But often it's the only way you can safeguard someone and if they are becoming really, really unwell and... Do you know, their risk is escalating. So, do you know, with the likes of bipolar, people have this perception that it's kind of sometimes I'm a bit giddy and sometimes a bit sad, whereas it's actually really extreme highs and lows. Yeah. Um, and with that high, do you know, people can be promiscuous. People can spend lots of money. People can have sex with people they maybe don't know. And there's more risks for that or, or increasing like drug use and all of these things. So there's a lot that people don't understand. And I suppose, like, I was actually thinking about this before I came here today. I was thinking, do you know what are the things that kind of stand out to me in terms of mental health and society's view in mental health. And I think my main issue with the kind of mental health conversation and it's okay to not be okay conversation is, do you know, there are a lot of people in the mental health conversation left out of that. Do you know, your people with schizophrenia, bipolar, the people who maybe don't have people to advocate for them. And like one of the very shocking things is people with a serious mental illness, so the likes of schizophrenia or bipolar, die 15 years sooner than the average population. But whether that's, you know, per access to healthcare, maybe they don't neglect them. Exactly. Exactly. So like with the likes of schizophrenia, you have positive and negative symptoms. Mm-hmm. So people kind of think, oh, well, they're good and bad. And it's not that. So positive is where things are added in. So that would be like hearing voices, seeing things, stuff like that. The negative would be taking stuff away. So they might not have any motivation. They might not feel emotions. They'd be really flat and kind of blunted. They might kind of neglect their self-care and all of those things. And with that, then there is obviously the physical health. They don't maybe have that awareness of their physical health and that it is declining or even there could be that paranoia that, oh, well, if I go to hospital, you're going to you yeah. throw me away mm-hmm. somewhere and not take me back. And, do you know, it's, it's, there you is. think of it deep like that, you no. know, you just, well, I know that's you, it. you see them as good or bad, you don't really. Exactly. And I, I think, do you know, that's my issue with that conversation. And the likes of eating disorders as well. Do you know, there's so little known about eating disorders and there's just this perception of, oh, they're just doing it because they want to look good. And it might start off like that, mm-hmm. but it ultimately is something, okay, I can't control something going on in my life and this is something I can control. So I'm going to focus in on this because this works for me. Yeah. And all of a sudden it spirals and then it, it becomes a very kind of delusional belief then that... I'm disgusting, I'm really fat, I need to not eat. And this person might weigh, you know, five, six stone and yeah. still have this really and fixed belief. And then it's social media and all at the minute too, like the likes of anorexia and stuff. Well, that's it. And I think it's... You know, it's changed even probably since you fin- did your degree in, you know, the last few years. And I think it's, it's again, you know, yes, you say social media, but the lack of information, but also maybe the wrong information mm-hmm. too. And, and there are some really, really good charities, the likes of Bait, they do a lot of support for people with eating disorders and... And I've had a lot of people that have went to them and got a lot of use out of them. But through all of it, it's early intervention is the main thing. And if you can't intervene early. It's hard to intervene early, though, if if people don't, as you say, check in. Exactly, exactly. And and it is that... There's a stigma attached to asking for help, though. Exactly. And I think, do you know, one of the things that we're doing at the moment and has been really focused on the last few years is that kind of... So it's a zero suicide ambition working towards zero suicide. And that's about having those conversations and not being afraid to ask someone, well, look, I know you're feeling no, but have you ever thought that you might kill yourself? And it's not about ending your life or, t- you know, disappearing. It's about being really frank and honest and saying, do you think you're going to kill yourself? Because yeah. I think sometimes having that really saying the word kill yourself, do you know, that phrase is very different from 
saying, oh, I just don't want to be here anymore. Because sometimes for people that just is that feeling of hopelessness and not wanting to feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, where is where are we at on that scale? Because mm-hmm. it is a scale, you know, you might have someone that just feels really hopeless that things aren't going to change, but doesn't yet want to do that. But if someone's at that stage where they're thinking about suicide and planning suicide. Yeah, they're two very different Exactly, areas. exactly. And it's, it's, you know, that's what so much of my job is, is kind of assessing that risk and... and so you've did all your placements and at the minute you're working in the trust, just yeah. in Mark Felty or mm-hmm. with like Everything. patients come into you or they're sent to you or so you know, so, through the hospital? So people can come through a whole kind of host of ways. So you can be referred by your GP. Um, what a lot of people don't know is if you are in crisis on the weekend, you can contact the out-of-hours GP and they can refer you to something called the crisis team, the crisis resolution home treatment team. So that can be, you know, for a crisis period to kind of get you over that and then you could be referred to ourselves. Or if you end up in hospital because of your mental health, you can be referred by them as well. But also in A&E, there's a mental health team as well. So if you did, you know, feel really suicidal, you didn't know where else to go or whatever, or you maybe have done something to harm yourself, you can go to any and they can recess you there and make a decision then about what the next plan is and sometimes that is referral to ourselves. Do you like your job at the minute because you don't know who's coming through the door? It could be, you know, a mixture of mental health issues or, excuse me, or would you like to go back to a specific, you know, section? You know, I do love my job and I, I... I always say I'm very, very privileged in the job that I do that people come to me who, I, do you know, I'm a stranger to them. and well, Sometimes a stranger is the best person. Exactly. They're more open. But they are laying their deepest and darkest secrets to you. And, do you know, like I'd said to my friends a few weeks ago, and I know I'd said to you, like, I had a really awful week where I'd had just constant and... Like I, I said, do you know, I went to Tesco Car Park and I cried and I was fine, but I think it's that that human factor that people sometimes need as well, that they're not coming in and it's a tick box exercise. And, yeah. mm. and I, like I say, I feel very, very privileged that I get to be that person for someone. Yeah. Um, so while they I do want to go in and have a chat and just be them writing things down. No, you know, no. They want to have a conversation. Exactly. And, you know, you want people leaving a lot better than they came in. Exactly. And I'm sure you've had so many positive outcomes. Maybe you've had someone for a period of time and they've, you know, yeah. we're hopeless and then now they've maybe changed things around. I'm sure that's a lovely part of your job. Of course. And I suppose, like we work within a biopsychosocial model. So what that means is biological is the likes of medication, psychological is psychological therapies or work that we would do. And then social is the likes of getting out and about, exercise, mm. eating well, all of those things. And I am a firm believer that the three have to go together for some people. Yeah. Some people, they don't need medication, that things can be managed just with counselling or talking therapies. But with your likes of schizophrenia and bipolar, that medication is a lifesaver and people with depression as well. Do you know, people have this perception that sometimes that depression is just sadness, but you can develop psychosis with depression, which is that hearing voices, seeing things, kind of misinterpreting things. And again, it's about people understanding that depression isn't just sadness it can go beyond all of that and sometimes medication is what's needed to get people to a point to be able to process mm-hmm. and do like I would be a firm believer that well if you had a sore head you'd take a painkiller exactly that's what you'd always say but to say you're just yeah. still yeah, that's what he says <laughs> well I would say that you know if you had high blood pressure and you went into your GP and they said you, you need you to take this medication no you would take it and Yes, it can take a while for some medications work. For some people, medications aren't going to you know, solve everything. You know, there might be trauma that needs to be worked on, mm-hmm. but it's about how we can manage that distress as well sometimes. And, you know, it's about being real- realistic that it's it can't just be one without the other no, sometimes. And it's and not a, like a day fix, you know, it could take no, months, it could no, take years. No, exactly. You know? But 
do you know I've seen people do very very well with medication and there's other people just don't want to take it and that's fair do you know mm-hmm. you, you're understanding of that but it's about having those conversations of do you know we've tried everything else could we try this do you know and as well I would say sometimes for people exercise isn't the thing that's going to get them well but it's going to be the thing that keeps them well mm-hmm. so sometimes you need to get them over that first hurdle yeah. getting the medication on board mm-hmm. getting the kind of anxiety or whatever it might academy. be <laughs> I actually say I posted um I was asked today to do a list of kind of local mum and tot scripts and then I had included yourselves in the mummy physios oh, well, and kind of exercise for new mummies that it's a very supportive environment and, and we need more off as well yeah just because it is just I suppose what we've talked about in the podcast like even birth and different types of pregnancies and postpartum I find out more about pregnancy <laughs> you know it's just a bit like mental health people don't know and no. people are scared to talk about and sections vaginal births periods I've learned it all in Rima because <laughs> you know, they're I, so open and exactly. talking about it. even though I'm standing there I, I say it all the time I'm so privileged to be in them conversations most men would whimper away from yeah. it and even you came to like the menopause talk Getting and everything you know talk. just but I think that's maybe what's wrong with society. We don't understand or we think we know, so we're past judgment a lot exactly. quicker on things. <laughs> there was a mummy the other day and she was going to feed her child and she was going to breastfeed. And I said, like, do you want me to do it? And she was like, breastfeed? I was like, I'm open then. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, do you know, I, I remember listening to your podcast, Alex, just about kind of that that kind of idea of putting things on a shelf. And I think that is a very real thing that sometimes people have to do to survive. And Joe, you said yourself that someday I might take that off the shelf. And for a lot of people, it takes a while to kind Mm -hmm. of process that. And I, you know, I would never say I had problems postnatally, but I definitely found it hard going from one to two. And I don't think I appreciated just how difficult it was for a new mummy in that kind of perinatal period. Mm -hmm. So that perinatal period would be from the minute you're pregnant to a year after your birth. And I know this is going to be very grim, but one of the leading causes of deaths in perinatal woman is suicide and that was a big was stress and stress yeah. hormone changes mm. everything Massive hormone changes. and you think do you know your life changes unbelievably mm. do you know but the difference between um no your, one tells you your, no. whenever you had darcy i mean talk to you about darcy and barney darcy was a, was she in a lockdown baby she was locked lockdown baby so you had joe there you had yes, help it absolutely was two to one yeah and then it went From two to one but the other <laughs> way yeah, you, yeah. you got um, ganged up on <laughs> Like, that can't be easy. No, not at all. And then you know, people say going from two to three, then that's just that. And you're outnumbered then. You know, I would say, you, they say you've one only one. Some people have said one's the hardest. <laughs> yeah. Zero it's like your practice round and number two, you're like, yeah, right, I can do this so much better now. But it, but it is true, you know. When you have your first one, and you probably know yourself, Alex, that you you know you have this instinct that something maybe isn't right or that you want to do something, but you don't feel confident in saying that or doing that because, like, but they've done it for, so they maybe know. Whereas I find, you know, like, my mommy hit me for mentioning this, but, like, with my first one with Darcy, mommy would have kind of told me kind of things to do, whereas second time around, not that she didn't need to or want to, but she knew I knew because you mm-hmm. do grow more confident or you do grow more able to say, actually... Go ahead, I make that now though. The people make passive remarks about me. I was like, I know what I'm doing. Uh, I've been doing this for two years. I know, exactly. It's like, <laughs> I am ninja. I'm a black belt in changing nappies now. <laughs> Morning, just doesn't act up as much for her daddy. That's all. That's no, because they're fun parents. She yeah. ran in the living room the other day, right? So <laughs> I was chasing her. She's like, she's got something on her foot. And I lifted her and it was poo on her foot. And I was like, then that was me. I have freaked out. He, he nearly passed out on the floor. Like, but it he was, was a like, hey, nappy. Nappy. you poo? I know, but it was a teething nappy, right? And and Alex opened it. And I don't know. <laughs> like, there's I, a pair, really long parents. They know what that is. 
shoes. I know. And like, <laughs> I had just exhaled as she pulled the tapes. And as soon as she oh, so you it, had I, to breathe them. He was actually heaving over the sofa. I was like, why do you can't let like, down? In a very long time. Because they don't tease as much at that age. <laughs> and then it's just. Like, touch wood, Mabel was a really good baby. Like, never really had like punamis or anything. Like, or like. A both mine. Who was never really down her legs or on, you know, where we Never, never shut up her back. Pooed up her back. SH1T. It's just a substance. We were very, very lucky that way. So. Like we never really like experienced like the craziness put you know, or never had like bathroom. But she is great. There's just different challenges. Uh, well, she's challenging she's now. Very Since she learned how to say no. Hi. <laughs> no. Like it, it is. <laughs> she just sits like this constantly. <laughs> she's a teenager. And well, Darcy's the same. She would she, be very much She'll the same. go to her grandma's and grandma's and eat the biggest dinner. We'll Explodes make the exact same dinner the next night and she'll be like, but that, it's true, like children go to nursery and stuff and they'll, they'll eat anything. And they come Apparently home she's and a chatterbox at nursery. How dare you? put that food with that food I'm not eating that <laughs> you're disgusting have you no shame <laughs> I can't wait till she gets more words because she seems so like you know she really understands what we're saying, and, you know. she's real she's got all the dramatics to be a great actress when she's older Aye. she is so oh, but that'll like, all she come just be sitting there and she'll be like <laughs> <laughs> and then the TV would change challenge you'd be like oh yeah I'm not crying over anything I'm I'll actually watch. okay yeah. <laughs> it's to get her out of the bath today so I don't I put her in the I bath her any chance I get because she keeps her happy for an hour she used to hate water like scream that's right but and don't then all of a sudden like mention the bath she's happy upstairs I don't know if I can even say this on camera the only way I can get her out is I fill the jug with cold water and she'd be lying <laughs> and i just put a wee bit on her and she'd be jumping and she'd be like <laughs> I was <laughs> not there <laughs> by the way <laughs> Or on the days when she's been really bad, I just threw the whole thing at it. No, I don't know. But she loves the bath, like she. But you love the bath. No. You'd... But it is hard. Each each stage of do you know having a child, being a parent is challenging because I think do you know it's that again it's that perception of society that if you bring your child out, they have to fall into line and behave as an adult, but they're not. No. And there's going to be days where other adults have, make it fun. But you think you're not in good form every day. Mm. There's days where you're more hungry, you're more tired. Days you can't be bothered being around anybody. I know it's okay. She's talking about you. And no, <laughs> I was looking at him. So, <laughs> do you know? I think we have I very that in the moment, yes, you know. we have very unfair expectations of children, and I think again that's not an intentional thing, but. Our parenting style is probably very different to our parents' parenting style. Mm. Do you know where there's... Oh, I, my mum just had to lift a wooden spoon. I would just... Away yeah. like a light. Mm. <laughs> I'd have picked up my toys. I'd have brushed my teeth. <laughs> but then, like, I hate that whole... I really... I really hate that whole, oh, well, children these days, you know, don't know they're living and they're, they're pathetic and they're weak. And I'm like, well, actually, if we look at it differently... We were never taught to recognise our emotions, to mm. understand our emotions. We were taught to suppress our emotions. Oh, what are you crying? I'll give you something to cry about kind yeah, of mentality. Get up that wooden hill. <laughs> Whereas now I think we're recognising that children deserve to have a voice and to have opinions and that they deserve respect ultimately. And, and it's not that we weren't respected, but there was no expectation to respect us mm. and that we had feelings and emotions. And like, I do get that there's probably children that do push those boundaries and go to the extreme, but... I think children deserve a chance to to feel. They're learning about the way emotions and yeah. well, so be different. Just, just when you say this and all, I was I talk about this all the time because I hear all these different opinions. Like you, there's a few different ones. Um, Sammy on a podcast recently. I know one, what you're going one to one say. One of the hosts was like saying, um, uh, "I know young ones nowadays they they would never survive in the army and stuff like that." There, mm-hmm. but the man saying that never went and experienced it. He never, but he can pass that opinion. I'm like, all right, but as we always say, it's like 
it's one to two to three percent that go and actually do it this they can do it mm-hmm. but it's all you hear all the time but like it's the same as like even guys who are in now they're like oh they have their phones now in training they have wi-fi in training and stuff and what but I do d- they still do the job but this is this isn't this isn't <laughs> the point is they're living in a different world than what we lived in mm-hmm. we never had all those like social media things like just pushed onto us yeah like I remember having my first phone never if you went on the internet you were in trouble because you've just used your ten pound top up. <laughs> yeah. And like, you never got anything same. for it. Like you Borrow actually had the quid. button. I, I send a text. Like, I remember, nine pound, you're like, what? I remember when Wi Fi became a thing and stuff and I used to sit outside the old community house in the porch with a big coat on remember, on my like, PSP trying to get the internet. Like, dial it up so it was like that big long thing and your mum's like, I need to use the phone so you had to turn your computer off. Yeah. You know? But we never had the issues where like we had to have Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. We never yeah. had to suffer like that. No. I and would, that's it. I'd go back in a heartbeat and not have Instagram or social media. You know, I. I think it's stressful. Like, it is. Can you imagine being one of the kids who isn't in the, the first, second year, third year WhatsApp group or something? That's going to, yeah. that's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. And you're just right. You know, children these days have different challenges to different hear. Different challenges. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And to be honest, I would take all the challenges we had over yeah. with their parents. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. But, you know, it's... But I don't think people are understanding this. Because no. even like, you know, 11-year-old girls are like, makeup artists now. And I'm like... No, like blue, blue pre-mark eyeshadow, Maybelline matte or mousse. Elizabeth Arden only on my, <laughs> my face because I couldn't afford to put it on my neck. You know, you know, like like Tanner tan wipes to tan my knees so you can see from my skirt to my socks, you know. And then. <laughs> but you're right, you know, because I had remember, I, I was listening to that podcast and I heard that and I was like, like, what do you know? Like, mm. are you a young person living in this world? And do you know, like you say, the army is only a very small percentage of people. But like you say, he didn't do it. So he, he wouldn't survive. But he said, oh, if you go and pull 10 teenagers or 10, 18 year olds off the street and put them in train, they never survive. But they're not the ones they're looking for. They're no. not the ones that are going to go and do it. It's yeah. maybe one out of them 10 people. Have, and to be honest, if you put 10 people in, they might make it through. Yeah. But you're not going to make it through something you don't want to do. No. no. <laughs> like there's so many times I wanted to give up. Yeah. But I agree, but like Admaz, you were just like, no, I don't like it. No, so I'm not doing it. Perse- you know? Perseverance got us there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> or some things you just need to knuckle down and get done so it's just out of the way and you never need to do it again. But, exactly, but know. the army is the not that. And, and I just think, again, that's a very unfair expectation to have of young people exactly. because not many people could do my job. I couldn't mm-hmm. do your job. Do you know to to have I that definitely kind of... couldn't do your job. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would be too Sorry. too and I couldn't separate. I couldn't like shut the door and leave it home. Like. I do. I do. And I'm very, very like extraordinarily lucky. I have an amazing time that I can come in and just be like, that was really terrible. Mm. And I feel like crap after that. Or do you know you will have people that will feel disappointed that you can't do more, you can't do more sooner. And they will kind of lash out at you kind of emotionally and you do have to kind of take that to a degree and that's a hard part because you have to kind of sit with those feelings and sometimes you absorb that but then it's kind of going and having those conversations like well actually no they are projecting they're frustrated they can't process that they can't do anything about their frustration so you're going to be you're the one there and then and do you know it is sometimes about just taking it on the chin and Mm -hmm. just saying they're not being honest and now maybe they feel better for even shouting at you even though they they didn't mean to be rude to you but they got it off their chest and they're going home slightly better than Exactly. No, and hopefully really. then you would But then, like, you look at a child. You look at a child. Like, they have this kind of emotional vomit, so to speak. And then they're like, okay, I'm fine now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this job, one of the biggest things that I had to get used to was people um, offloading onto mm-hmm. me. Like, I would do... I, I got to the point where I had to do a walk. I'd take people for mm-hmm. walks because that give them 15 slash 20 minutes to vent to me about all sorts of things. But it 
I couldn't do what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're trained in that. Well, I that's wasn't. It. And I was, I would come home and I couldn't speak. And like, Alex would be like, what's wrong with you? He's like, I can't talk today. Mm -hmm. And it was actually, we had to go and I had to go get supervision mm -hmm. and I had to go and speak to a man, like a therapist. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is what is this is what's bothering me and mm -hmm. this is the problem I'm having. I can't I can't offload it. Mm -hmm. I was like I can't, I'm constantly thinking about those ten people that I spoke to yesterday. And he was like, Right, we'll talk to talk me through mm -hmm. it. And I would emotionally vomit onto him <laughs> and I was okay after. Yeah. But it was until then, like I was really bad with it. Once mm -hmm. I didn't even want to come to work. It was that hard. But do you know, I, I totally get that because like I can hand, I can absolutely deal with it if it's my friends, but sometimes people's family members or sometimes people know what I do. And then, like, the reality is I am a very busy boy. Mm -hmm. I work four days a week, which is more than enough. And then, do you know, there's not enough hours on the weekend. So then I don't feel frustrated and I don't feel angry, but I find it very hard to be emotionally available for other people. And you're probably the same. Yeah. You were throwing yourself entirely into this job. You, do you know what? That was probably more at the start when you, you were doing a lot to yourself and having to do a lot yourself. And then, like you say, where do you let go of that? Yeah. And yes, again, exercise does a degree to that, but you're still sitting I stopped that. exercising and stuff yeah. because I was just so tired all the yeah. time. I wasn't sleeping. Remember, mm -hmm. I would wake up at five and go for yeah. a walk. Yeah. I had to go and why, it's all I could do. It's the only way you could get him up early. <laughs> and I, I would, I'd lash in and I would just stick a coat on, I would mm -hmm. go for a walk and I'd come back and I was better, I was a better yeah. person yeah. for it, but I couldn't lift the weight, I couldn't. Off. And I was like, you know what? And it was only this year, I've started taking time yeah. for myself. I've yeah. been like, look, I don't need to be in the gym all those hours, I can take days off. I yeah. can go train in another gym. Yeah. And it's the best thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And do you know, there's no harm in protecting your mental health from Look that. Yeah, and exactly. that then you're better when you're in here then rather than you know, exactly. taking that time. And, and you're, you're looking, looking forward to going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you know, that, that is the main thing is that you're doing something that you enjoy and not dreading that because then that's very hard because how do you keep that going? How do you mm -hmm. sustain that? And at what cost of that? And it's not that, I can't imagine it was a case if he was coming home and you know, like explosive or anything like that, but that kind of emotional withdrawal. No, I was just coming home and just thought, yeah. I just got into bed. It Sometimes was really it hard for you and I'm sure it was really hard mm -hmm. for you because then you were trying to process all of that and mm -hmm. think, well, like, how am I supposed to help because I don't know how to help. And, and I couldn't talk. No, no. And, and that is a very common thing of that feeling of, I'm just going to shut down because I have nothing to say here because I don't know I can't process my thoughts mm -hmm. and that's that's a really big issue is I again I'm very lucky because I've been trained to yeah. do it mm -hmm. but if you don't have that training where do you go with that and what do you do with that because I couldn't imagine outside of my job having to do all of that and while your job is the exercise part mm -hmm. the council bit's not yeah but you just wanted to be available for people yeah because mm -hmm. like tend we want to obviously give people the best experience possible. Yeah. And but now what we have started doing is just signposting people yeah. in the right direction and like even linking people up to yeah. the, like meet this, you meet them. Yeah. Well, there's a really good service actually opened probably a couple of years ago here now in Marfelt. I don't know if they're still in Marfelt. They're definitely in Cookstown. It's a council called Links Council, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of really good courses. So they have a trauma course, they have bereavement course, they have a resilience course, and they have a parenting course as well just for people to kind of feel more confident in their abilities but they also do one-to-one -one stuff and they're really really good at what they do you know they are separate from kind of your doctor your gp but you can go on their website so it's links counseling and you can well, refer yourself can. um and i've had a lot of people do really really well with that yeah, um and sometimes they may need beyond that and that's not going to be enough but i think I'm sure even for you to know what's available locally mm -hmm. for people to just be able to signpost yeah, i know that will definitely help um because it's very hard when you're put in the spot, do you know, because I know you had said to me before um, 
about kind of getting to know in terms of like women's aid services yeah. and stuff like that and knowing all of that will be invaluable to the woman or the man that needs that someday. And I don't know if you know, there's a really good service in Belfast called the Men's Advisory Project. So they do work specifically for males who experience domestic violence and people, again, with domestic violence, people have this perception, why do you not just leave? And sometimes it is, the fear is yeah. too monumental mm -hmm. because people can threaten suicide. They might be tied financially. Um, so Women's Aid and that Men's Advisory Project are really, really good in that Women's Aid or yeah. in that kind of domestic violence bracket because if you don't know what's available, how are you supposed to signpost people? Um, and it's not just like, you know, posters everywhere. Like, no. You know, unless you know where to look, you can exactly. find it, you know. Exactly. Um, but I think... But it is good to signpost all this stuff because mm -hmm. do you remember that first time I went to the doctors and he just slid a number across the table for me for no, a lifeline? He was like, like, ring them. And I was like... Not all doctors are the same, but it just wasn't really... Yeah. Maybe that I don't have a lot of time or maybe it's just not It is like you'll be on the trust waiting list for a year minimum. No. And I was like, like I was like, So what what shall I do? And he just slid over the number for lifeline. I was like, Well then I'll just go look for somebody. And myself. of course you're not even like a checkup to even see if mm. you did contact or anything. And you put I it down to you put it down to tiredness and being a new daddy. I was like all oh, right, okay, Chief. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's I didn't right. even take a number. Of it. I Aye. just threw it in the bin on the way. So, Lifeline are really good for crisis mm -hmm. if you are feeling really. I wasn't in a crisis. No, I just and that's the thing. You needed that kind of guidance. consistent kind of counselling or whatever that might have been. But again, that's one of the challenges is that you get someone that is. And the hard. It's not a criticism on GPs because they don't have the time mm -hmm. to have those kind of in depth conversations. But there will be, like any health service, you're going to have people that aren't going to be particularily helpful. Either but then draw a wage. Yeah. And then that's very hard when you're that person in front of that doctor mm -hmm. and feeling do you know that you're being ignored. Like I so the reason I went into nursing, whenever I had that really difficult time after my friends had died, I had seen a girl. Um and I had seen her a few times and each time she called me Kiva. My oh. name was in front of her and I that was And it's not even like anything like Kiva. It's like just because it's Irish doesn't mean, you know, they're similar. And it was just with that that I made the decision, right, okay, no one is going to get the wrong name. I can do better. Yeah. I, that's so annoying, you know. And that, that no, it does my head in. Yeah. <laughs> it does my head in. So now I make a very conscious effort. Mm. And I will be extremely apologetic if there is a chance that someone, you know, so sometimes I have people that would have kind of two names, you know, one that is kind of their registered name, but they'd go by a different name mm -hmm. and I'll maybe call them that and I'll apologise. But that, that was my thing is that people feel validated regardless of what they're sitting in front of me with mm -hmm. that they feel like What's the nobody and if she can talk to me by my nobody name. cares how much you know until they know how much you care yeah. and that's your way of showing yeah exactly is that people feel like you're you taking an interest mm -hmm. exactly yeah. because it, it doesn't take I remember long. that yeah well oh. i was i was just going to say now you love your job at the minute but have you even just life plans even in the next five years with job life what what's in Marriage. your well Yes, well, I was going to leave the marriage, a big blinger on her marriage, face. marriage, and maybe a house. She and Todd. She and Todd. Yeah, this podcast goes that'll live. be past. I um, don't really, for you know, being such a big podcaster, you know, I don't really know who she and Todd is. You so. need to spend the night just laying on TikTok with your phone here and laughing. No, I am not. I guarantee when you I'm said you weren't going to enjoy Barbie. You weren't going to enjoy Barbie. Well, I might enjoy she and Todd. <laughs> So next five years, five years, be Miss Convery. <sighs> Miss Convery. Hopefully build a house if the housing market gets a bit easier. And But I don't see it in terms of building materials. Well, you should watch the podcast next week because we have this um, building mogul. Mm -hmm. Mogul. Is mogul, mogul yeah, there? Like investment. Property developer. Okay. He'll be the man to talk to. Mm -hmm. I'll introduce you. <laughs> um, 
So that that really um, it's very exciting for like personal life. I feel like we've been through this whole thing because we were obviously there for an engagement where yeah. your plans got passed. Mm-hmm. I think you're more excited for the second one, but we're not going to. Um, the engagement far more, far mm. more. I've waited ten years for this. I know, yeah. Ten it's years. It's just the going time. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> you don't rush a good thing. No, well, that, that's true. But I suppose you know the reason we did. We we had always talked about it. You know, we aren't just be religious people. Mm. So for us, there was never the whole oh well, we need to get married before we have children kind of mindset. And I always wanted children, and I always wanted to have children fairly young because I just had this fear that once I turned forty, like I was on death's door. So I just wanted to have my children young. So that's why we prioritized no that. I'm not near 40, She's everybody. nowhere near. Closer than you two, but not, <laughs> not just, just yet. There's not much between the two, because I wouldn't worry. Us two. Uh, well, no, we're three years is less than a month. 32, but I'm you're 30. nearly 31. I'm 30. But in eight, like a month, there'll only be a year. You're 30 until you're 40. Okay, Realistically. We'll I like that. Well, that's very exciting. Well, what would you tell someone that's maybe going through like a mental health, like they think, you know, they think feel, they're alone. They think they're alone and feeling hopeless. What advice would you give someone or say to them? Like, I know there's no quick fixes, but. But I suppose that's it, that there is not going to be a quick fix, that it will, there will be times where it becomes more difficult before it gets better sometimes, you know. But it can get better. It can. It absolutely can get better. And you're not on your own through this. And there are so many people that are able to help and signpost and... Don't let that first person, if they weren't doing their job... Mm-hmm. Don't let them put you off uh, and go 10 yeah. steps back. Yeah, exactly. And there will be a time where things do get better. Do you know, it might never be what it was before and that's okay because your new normal will just be your new normal and yeah. you will that's find good. a way of living again and feeling joy in things again. And, do you know, I suppose for those with kind of more serious mental illness, like of personality disorder, um, eating disorders, all of those things and kind of schizophrenia is that you don't have to be on your own in all of that and kind of processing those real difficulties because again a big thing is stigma and that perception of how mental health services were in this country probably not that long ago do you know the Magdalene laundries didn't go away long that long ago and women were thrown in there whenever they had mental health problems or hysterical as they were called mm-hmm. and that just because things were that way at that time doesn't mean that's how it's going so to be right. now do you know that people can do very well with never having to go to hospital um and hospital is ultimately not where we want you to be because it is a false environment. But there's always hope somewhere. Mm, Things will get hope. better. Always hope somewhere like that. Yeah, that's lovely. That's a nice way to wrap it up. I think there's always hope somewhere. That was brilliant. Yeah. Should wait. Should, probably should have waited that after the podcast. Said. Yeah. <laughs> I have a wee thing for you. So. I reckon oh. we should have like a, a read mama podcast. Oh my goodness, we'd be darn. You'd be here for a week if we did a read mama podcast. That sounds like a good idea. It's only a little tiny thing just because I am so appreciative of Aww. the both of you. Oh, we kick. And all the joy that you have brought. Oh. Do you know the so the, the thing I think of when I think of mental health and exercise, I will never forget it. I had like three weeks off from the gym where most both my children were sick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my pictures of Mabel and, and those. That's the first day we moved in. Yeah, I know. that's why I got that one. No. Oh, that is so so lovely. That's so a lovely thing that, too. That's so lovely. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Do you know, I'll never forget that first time I realised what exercise done for my mental health. Do you know I'd had like three weeks off, and I'll never forget. It. I came back here. We were doing the chest press max out, and 
you'd made a joke being like, oh, you finally came back. <laughs> Pushed me nice over the edge. <laughs> and I was like, Joke oh, being the main goodness. part of it. <laughs> like, and, and just since then, I, I've realised just how much it's done for me. And I'm just so grateful for this gym and this um, this community and the friends that I have made oh. from this place, do you know? It's mad to think that like well over a year ago, it feels like you've been here so much longer. I know. So thank you for coming through those doors too and long. joining Mama and putting your oh, feet in us. What did you say, too long? <laughs> he heard that because his headphones on. <laughs> Beep. I'm only messing. Well, yeah. we're so glad that we could provide that, you know, safe yeah. place for you so. and a long way at last. Have you been asleep? You've been like a proper... What's the word like I'm looking advocate. for? Like advocate. Really advocate. Especially me, yeah. mamas. Can't wait, for that, can't wait for that Christmas ambassador award. <laughs> <laughs> Damn on it. that note. On that note. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to that. We'll tag. Do you want your Instagram yeah. tag? Yeah, and we could give her a follow. Because that's what we do now. Us millennials. Link mm-hmm. as well. We'll stick them into the bio. Yeah. But no, thank you very much for listening. Um, subscribe. Let us know that you are listening. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.